Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 65 of the Recovery Lab podcast series, 65. That's crazy, wow. isn't it? Wow, was I like nine? I'm thinking eight or nine, yeah. seven, eight or nine. Uh, yeah, time flies. Yeah. Time flies. Well, I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. We are joined again here at the Recovery Lab by Dusty Yarbrough. We're glad Hi. to have you. Welcome back. So we've been chit-chatting about the technological improvements and advancements since you were here the first time, which I'm genuine, genuinely curious what number you were. Let me, let me see if I can toggle over to Google I think it was Drive. three or four before I came. Oh, I don't have it in there anymore. It was three or four before I came. I'll look it up when we're done. So you're back. I'm back. And we appreciate your taking the time to come here. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Can I, can I ask a question just on for my own uh, knowledge? And uh, so how did you guys know each other? Um, one of my friends is married to Drew, Kimberly. Oh, okay. I think, I think <laughs> All right, cool. you and Kimberly went to treatment together. Yeah. One time? We were at Grace house together. For a oh, while. right on. Awesome. Awesome. I love we're, it. We're more Facebook friends. Than, yeah. Yeah. Than sure. Anyone. Sure. Sure. No problem. No problem. So we, we have, we were talking a little bit about this at the beginning of the, the hour. And, um, this is, this is coming from, uh, one of my, podcast clients that I just produced a podcast for this morning. Um, we were talking after the meeting and he was talking about how this other podcast, the Awaken Collective with Brett Gregory, um, really shines a lot of light on applying the principles of the program and not just the war stories and the, you know, the, the speaker meeting, if you will. And he mentioned that um, the Awaken Collective, again, Rick Gregory's podcast, um, that, that that aspect of the podcast was very rewarding to this person. This is Jody Pinton. Look, uh, I can't, I, 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 he, he's, he's onto something. Yeah, I really think so. The, the way I've described this before was, you know, like a, a speaker meeting with questions. And part of the questions I wanted to ask was how do you like the person actually work through the problems in your life? Cause I think that's the most trans transmittable benefit to people yeah i would agree and that's something that like I, it, there's something clicked when jody said that i was like you know what yeah that's you know a lot of times I, I wouldn't say we phone it in by any way you know any stretch of the imagination but i think that sometimes we um just we we don't do as much as we possibly could in order to really get to know our guests in a, on a, on a deeper level, you know, we, we let them speak for a little while and then we ask them questions. Yes. And that serves a purpose and it's valuable. There's not a question about that, but what happened? What would happen if we, Look, I completely agree. You know, th th this is how really long format podcasts benefit. Like Lex Friedman has a podcast right? and no, sh no kidding. He has an episode that's over eight hours long. My God. And yeah. you know, I sure don't want to be at talking to somebody for eight hours. No. I don't know that they filmed it like start to finish, like, you know, eight hours or if right. it was over a couple days and they just put it all together. But, you know, like Joe Rogan, 
you know, two plus hours oh, easy. Is not, every day yeah. is easy for him. He does multiples. And I think we'll be, it'll be better with her cause, since she's been here before. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do have a little bit of a, you know, if for, for our fans that, you know, that listen to that episode, they certainly, you know, they've probably heard that, that side of you. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, to, to know, you know, how you apply the principles, how you, how you do life, you know, it's, it's not easy to, once we have that, that best friend, if you will, the, the drugs and alcohol, they were, it was there for us when times were great. It was there for us when times were hard, it was always there. And then we removed that. And there's a mourning that there's, you mourn the loss of your best friend. Most people do at least. I know I did. Um, so, so what do you do after that? How do you apply the principles of the program, whether it be a faith-based program or a 12-step program or smart uh, recovery or whatever your pathway to recovery can be or, or is, um, you know, I, I want, I want to approach these conversations by, with, with an attitude of curiosity and, and how do you do it? Cause ultimately, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be selfish, but I want to improve my life too. I want to improve my of program. Course. Absolutely. And, and I'm always, I'm always open to suggestions and new ideas. And, and, and that's what really, really gets me going about this podcast and why I'm so grateful that Drew allowed me to come on is, you know, I, I get to learn these, you know, different people's perspectives and different people's ways of doing things. And, and like I've said in, in previous podcasts, there's, one million seven hundred and sixty three thousand four hundred and sixty two different paths to recovery and if wow. that path yeah and that just completely okay. ran that, up. <laughs> that wasn't an actual I was like, that wasn't God. an actual statistic <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if, if a path works for you then i'm curious about it I, I would love to know about that so that said let's jump into yeah. it well, what's happened okay. so you were on the, you were one of the very first so that would have been like September or October of last year. Okay. What has happened in your life since September or October that is noteworthy? Okay. Well, um, so around that time, I guess I started working on my credit. Um, I've since then bought a house. Look at you. Look at I, that. I knew you were going to say that, and I was just giving yeah. you an opportunity to say that. <laughs> And um, also, I got custody of my 16-year-old daughter who has lived with my aunt since she was two. Wow. So now, all of a sudden, I have a 16-year-old, and I've never... What's that like? Yeah, it's uh, crazy. I mean, she is... Uh, she's lived with a very strict family, and so she is not like other 16-year-olds. Was she... So, you were doing worse things at 16 than she... Oh. Definitely. She is, <laughs> I shock her with the things that I say. She's like, my God, you know, like I yeah. cuss a lot and she does not. And I, yeah, she's shocked by the things that I say. <laughs> All right. Well, that would have to be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. How? Talk about a whirlwind for her. Too, yeah. You know? Whirlwind for like, everybody. Yeah. Complete. How did you approach? Like, Okay, here's an example. So I will flash out at my older three kids because I think they're being, you know, their behavior is, they do something I don't like. And then every time I think, gosh, you're not being very patient. Yeah. You're not being very loving. 
And then I think, <laughs> they deserve to hear that. And then... <laughs> just the, the look uh, in your eyes, the yeah. disdain. It's just like... Yeah. You know, these or Thomas, imbeciles. The ba- Thomas the baby will do something, and I'll bark at him. Like, I screamed at him the other night, you know, his name, to try to get him to snap out of his, this whining thing he was doing. And then I thought, if that were recorded and played for people. Exactly. So how do you deal with, I mean, you don't have a great deal of experience in having a 16-year-old. How have you adjusted to having one? Well, basically, I just talk to her like she's an adult. I mean, you know, I I have to stop myself sometimes and, and remember, like, no, she's actually a kid at 16. You know, yeah. I was pretty much an adult at 16. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I need to reel it in on that. But um, what you described would be my relationship with Sebastian. Okay, yeah. for those that don't I know, who's Sebastian? Yeah, uh, that's my four-year-old. Okay. Yeah. And he's the one that gets flashed out on. <laughs> but, yeah, Bella's such a good kid. It's, it's really... There's not, like, when it comes to discipline or I just ask her, you know, hey, can you not do that? Or, you know, that's not going to be okay. And she's like, okay. And that's it. So whatever right, whatever magic right your is. aunt and uncle worked on her. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, people, they, they did that. <laughs> people are like, she is so kind and sweet. And I'm like, she gets it's it not <laughs> my doing at all. <laughs> At all. It's all that credit goes to my aunt. Yeah, sure. Riley, my son is 16, and he's the exact same way. I mean, I, I've i made lots of – every every mistake that you can make, I think I've made probably twice. Um, and and for some reason, he's still around, you know, uh, which, you know, I probably would have run away or done – I don't know what I would have done, but he's – you know, there's, there's not – you know, he'll get an attitude with Marge. Uh, sometimes, but um, he doesn't really, he doesn't really get an attitude with me. Um, and it's you know he's if I ask him to do something, he he does it, and that's the end of it. And I was completely not like that. I, I honestly don't know where where he got that. It's just he's a good kid, you know. Like yep. I was doing lots of stuff when he was shenanigans. When I was sixteen, yeah. Yes. So it's good that like I mean that. You know, everything happens for a reason. I think that, you know, while I'm sure it was difficult for you to to not be, not have her, you know, underneath your roof for all those years, you know, I, I try to look at the positives in every situation and every, you know, adverse situation, especially, um, because that's an opportunity for me to, to learn and grow. So what do you think that, you know, what, what did you learn were you in your daughter's life while she was living with your aunt or barely barely okay yeah, barely. all right so what what was that like for those that that have never experienced something like that or or maybe have experienced it and it's difficult how do you how do you do that how do you uh, is it is it difficult to to you know that you know that your child is at this other household or is there like guilt and shame that's associated with her not being with you like and and if so, like, how do you process that? Do you 
jump into a ton of meetings? Do you work with others? Like, how do you get out of that shame and guilt when that shame spiral starts and you start thinking like, oh my God, I'm a horrible mother, if you think that, or, you know, I'm a horrible person, or I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. You know, we all have those internal voices that can kind of, you know, rear their ugly head. So how do you, you, you've obviously stayed sober through this. Yeah. So what did that look like for you? How did you work through those if you had them, negative self-talk, you know, experiences and what, what did you do to get through that? So whenever I came into the program, I did not have Sebastian. He's only four and I've got seven years. So, um, one of the main goals was to get sober. And if Isabella ever wanted to come live with me, then she could, Sure. you know, cause I would never just try to get custody and drag her back without her wanting, wanting it yeah because yeah. she's been with them her whole life um so but here's the deal when i did my fifth step all of that my sponsor told me when we do this you're giving all of this to god and that's how i looked at it so when the feeling the feelings of guilt or shame would creep up I would say I've already given that to God. Um, It still happens, though. Like, we will go to the doctor, and they'll ask a question about her medical history, and I have no idea. And, and, you know, I'll get that little little blast of your shitty, you know. Like, the fact that you don't know that is really messed up. And... I'm like, it's fine. I'm, I've given that to God, you know, but it does hit you from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. Of course. But yeah, it's, um, I just, I just worked on getting my shit together so that she could, you know, come back. Right. That was the focus and not to dwell in the past. Right. Cause that's not. That's counterproductive. Yeah. 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 So I think, I mean, I'll believe this till the day I die, but it takes what it takes in order for you to get to a point where you're willing and ready to do something else. And while the wreckage and carnage that we can cause can be impressive to say the least, it takes what it takes in order for us to get to a point where we can look back on our past And our past is now profitable to us because we can now use it to help other people. And it sounds like you came to, you, you arrived at a point where you gave it to God. You listened to your sponsor. Most importantly, you listened. You were, you were at a point where you could be okay with the fact that, Hey, you know what? My best thinking got me right here. So maybe I'll try to listen to someone else. And you did that, and slowly but surely, you've given that to God. And I'm sure that doing the fifth step is a big thing. And I'm sure that, you know, you giving that to God was a huge chunk of that puzzle. But, you know, it's a daily thing, I think. You have to yeah. daily give it to God. And it sounds like you've done a phenomenal job of, you know, giving that to God and saying, hey, you know, I can't change the past. All I can do is what's directly in front of me. And it sounds like you have a faith in God and, and, and a higher power that um, helps guide you. Um, 
So I mean, it sounds like you're doing just a phenomenal job. And it, I spent, gosh, I don't know how, it was probably four months um, away from my son when he was like 10. I went to outpatient in Dallas and lived with my parents for those three or four months. And I mean, I, I felt like just a complete, just an asshole, you know, like I didn't, but I was, I was like a deer in headlights. You know, my attorney, some things went down. My attorney said, Hey, you should probably get on out of town. Um, and, um, and that's what I did. And I kind of didn't look back and it, it was awful. It was hard. And, you know, still to this day, I, you know, I think like, did I do a lot of harm to Riley? You know, he was in a very, very, um, he's a sponge and still is, but especially at that time he was a sponge and his dad wasn't there. And so I can get yeah. into those shame spirals and shame, you know, thinking that uh, you're a piece of, and you're, yeah. you're worthless and you have no value. And, and, and the only thing that I do is I just, I tell myself what I just told you. And, and I trust that, you know, God brought me through everything that I had to do. Um, God made sure that I didn't, you know, cause more harm than I absolutely had to. But the reality of the situation is I caused a lot of harm, you know, and it took what it took in order for me to get to a point where I was willing to do something different, you know. How did you begin the process of at least discussing with her if she wanted to move in with you? Oh, well, question. here's the thing. She got in trouble uh-huh. with my aunt. And she was like, I want to come live with you. And I was like, all right, come on. I hear you. I've been waiting on you for six years. Come on. And she's like, okay. So it was hard for her, though. You know, we would go visit. And um, I think, like, maybe the first time that she saw them again, she cried almost the whole way home. You know? Really? Yeah. It was it was hard, but she's she's settled in now, you know. And how how long has she lived with you? Yeah, um, since March. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, nine months, knocking yeah. on nine months. Yeah. Did she have to switch schools in order to come live with you, or? Yes. What was that yeah. like? Um. So, she came to live with me, uh, like a month and a half before I closed on the house. So Pearl School, I was in Pearl at the time. Pearl School wouldn't take her for a month and a half, knowing that I was moving to Richland. Uh, so they had to, I had to withdraw her into homeschool um, until we moved to Richland. God, what was homeschooling like? There was no homeschool. Okay. Yeah, the lady said that's that, you know, we were going to put that on the paper but just have her, you know, do some free homeschooling, which she did, you know, um, to keep up, you know, with it or whatever. But then we got her into Richland, and uh, some of her credits actually didn't transfer over. So she's having to take – she may have to take summer school in order to graduate next year. Well, well. But, yeah. That's that's the way it works. Yeah, I was yeah. homeschooled for a year. I didn't do much. Not good. This is not good I for was me. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
it's kind of out of necessity. But, yeah. <laughs> so well, how did you yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. the fear of her coming to live with you? Oh, That's wow. Yeah, too. it was overwhelming initially because I was like, my God, this is like a whole other adult basically that I have to feed and Yeah, because they eat and, all the time. Yeah, they yeah. do. They have a tendency to eat yeah, every, every day. time. <laughs> Like, I, you know, when I'll, I'll have my kids for the weekend and they'll eat. And then like two hours later, they want to eat again. The nerve. And then two the hours after that. Those assholes. I mean, they were like, day what's for lunch? I'm like, damn, I just solved the breakfast problem. Again? God, yeah. the nerve. I mean, you got to stay on, <laughs> you got to stay on your A game. Exactly. Because it's like, because look. Uh, you know, hey, how about we go eat whatever? I don't like that. Well, you liked it last weekend. Yeah, like we just did this. Yeah, and you were fine. You were fine with yeah. it. That's Sebastian. Well, you're gonna be hungry. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> eat a lunch. You gotta wait till tomorrow, boy. <laughs> no more we eat one today. time a day in yeah. this household. Oh all right, so you're dealing with the fear. Here comes a 16-year-old, because it sounds like it was kind of ba-boom. Like, here she is. Yeah, uh, it was. Like, overnight, bam. Bam. Yeah. And, like, they packed up all her stuff, like, uh, immediately. And oh. we had to go take a truck down there to Laurel, pick it up. And at that time, I was still in a two-bedroom trailer in Pearl, and she had a ridiculous amount of stuff. A ridiculous amount. My entire kitchen was filled with her things because there was no sense in her unpacking everything when we we're about to move into the house. Right. So we just kept it packed in the kitchen for like a month or a month and a half. And so, yeah. That had to be a lot. It was a lot. So what do you do? Like, how do you, what are the, some of the steps that you took to kind of become at peace with, with that? You, you know, step up your meetings, you step up your calling your sponsor. Like what, what exactly did you do to kind of get through that difficult transition period? First of all, prayer. Okay. First of all, like constant. Um, yeah. And that was my first move. I called my sponsor and I'm like, what am I going to do? And she's like, well, I mean, this is what you've been praying for for six years now. So, uh, we're going to say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, my curiosity has peaked a little bit. Like, cause I like comparing like how I pray with other people and how they pray. Like, so like you said, you prayed a lot. So yeah. give us an example, if you don't mind, if you're willing, like, uh, just give us an example of how you talk to God, like what you would say, what a prayer would sound like. Okay, so, I mean, I have my my big prayers at night and in the morning. Okay. You know, like, God, help me stay sober tomorrow or help me stay sober today, you know, whichever. And is it more like a friend, conver like having a conversation with a friend or, like, having a conversation with, like, a, a, a leader in church or, like, a lead? Like, oh, what did it look like? Is it a personal yeah, conversation? Yeah, it's, it's a personal conversation, okay. you know. and But then throughout the day... When I feel emotions, because I've dealt with a lot of anger and sobriety, it's not as bad as it was in the beginning, but it's still there, and it comes up from time to time. 
And so I'll, I'll pray, God, save me from my anger right now, you know, or um, God, please help me with this fear that I'm experiencing right now. You know, I can't, I can't handle this right now. And so, you know, just talking to him throughout the day yeah. with whatever comes up. And that's like it. pretty often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me whoop anybody today. <laughs> yeah, please don't let me beat my children. And please don't right. ask them, have them ask me to eat more than one time yeah. per day. Yeah. <laughs> Isabella, I told her the other day, I was like, all you do is complain. <laughs> you complain and ask questions. And then I started saying, like, she was asked a question, I would say, question. And then she would say something else, I would say, complaint. And just... <laughs> Just to, to point out to her. I'm just here to point this out. Yeah. This is how often you're complaining or asking questions. Yeah. Like, like are they valid? A, like, are they valid concerns? Or are they trivial in I nature? already know the answer. Absolutely <laughs> not. No. And so it, she's not asking about how to end world hunger or anything like that? No. Pretty, pretty topical. No. Can Alana come over next weekend? Yes. Are you going to let Alana come over next weekend? Yes. <laughs> yes. I said that five questions ago. Yeah. Well, it sounds like she's curious, though. That's good. You know, just got to make sure that they only yeah. eat once she's a day. She's got to verify it two or three times at least. Yeah, at least. Yeah. I mean, she's going through a lot, too. You know, yeah. like this is this is new to her, too. You know, and she's sounds like she's doing a pretty doggone good, pretty doggone good job of you know, acclimating to her surroundings and, you know, y'all have got this new house. Like, that's pretty awesome. And she's, you know, back with her mom and that's new and different. And, um, I mean, it sounds like given the circumstances, she's doing a pretty, uh, pretty good job, you know? Yeah. Both of you, I would say. I don't know. I mean, uh, this year has been like a really big struggle. How so? Um, so got the house and then my job, kind of changes uh, the way that management does things because I'd been with them for four years and um, my the money, the amount of money that I'd made in previous years got cut in half. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it was almost like I got demoted and I, you know, started talking to them like months beforehand and was like hey you know this ain't working yeah like if you're if you're gonna demote me i'm gonna have to go somewhere else i'll start fresh somewhere else i'm not gonna be at a job that i've been at for years now and just get kind of taken down a notch and so um i finally did that and i made the move to kate a few months ago um like two and a half three months ago now but uh, for the time that I was still at Char, it was, like, terrible. Like, I, I've i taken out loans and maxed out all the credit cards. You know, I've just now called up. But during that time, it was really difficult. And there were days that I would think I could just go have a drink and start over my time and get rid of this. Just take the edge off a little bit. Yeah, just for a second. Yeah. For a second, you know. And, I mean, of course, you know, you immediately follow that thought with 
Um, we, we've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> we know exactly. You, we've tested this know, hypothesis. We know what's you going down. You don't stop with one. <laughs> you do not stop yeah. with one. You're going to wreck your car, get a DUI, lose your kids. Have a like, pocket full yeah. of meth if you're me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Some social exactly. IV drug use. Right. Yeah, social IV drug use. Yes, yeah. that's exactly. But you'll feel better for a couple hours. You will. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, play but, the tape through. Yeah, it's been a, a struggle, though. Well, have you enjoyed the pivot to Kate? Yes. What is Kate? What yeah. are, what the are, restaurant. It's a, a different fine dining restaurant in Ridgeland. In Ridgeland? Yeah. It's the same people that own Walkers. Yeah. And Local 463. Where's it at? It's in Renaissance. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. Yeah, seafood. Awesome. Oh, it's just seafood. No, I mean, they got steaks and stuff, too, but okay. it's called, like, Oysterette. Kate Oysterette, you know, our oysters are, like, the, the big deal. Bougie oysters. Look, so when I was working, in, when I lived in Hattiesburg, when, when I was first getting sober, uh, I worked at a pizza joint. Yeah. And the guy who owned the pizza joint also owned a fine dining restaurant that was up the street. And so he comes to me and he says, hey, look, I need you to help out in the kitchen up the street, the fine dining restaurant. And I was like, I'm down with it, whatever. I'm a, I'm a good cook. I can do it. And we get there, and he's like, uh, get that glove. I might need you to shuck some oysters. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Under no circumstances. I mean, because literally, you wear, hard, you wear a chain mail glove yeah, and are jabbing a blunt knife in this oyster. Is hard. I mean, it is a trip to the ER waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I, look, I got my rent money, boss. I don't need to do this <laughs> yeah. that badly. Uh, yeah. So I, I figured out how to get out of doing that, but yeah, shucking oysters ain't for Drew. No, that's that is, it's not easy. I don't have any health insurance, buddy. <laughs> yeah, for real. Dude, Marge loves like like once a year we'll get a bushel of oysters. Well, she, I like to eat them. She, no, she thinks it's just so fun to like shuck them and stuff because she grew up in Florida. Wait till she like, rips her hand open. Yeah, <laughs> it's man, it's something. I I hate doing those. We got some last. What was it last year? We we had some shipped to my parents' house in Texas, and I mean it's just miserable. The work necessary in order to get to those little slimy boogers. The reward is not great. <laughs> it's bad. All right, so you you bought a house, started a new job, had a sixteen year old move in with you. Yeah. You must at the end of the day, and if you don't, you should sit back and think, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean th that ain't bad. Absolutely. That's a lot. That's a lot. And you built your credit yeah. back up to where you can oh, buy a no, house. It's it's crashed since. Then. Yeah, it's the credit card. It's a moving target. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I believe me when I say this. You're not alone. You know, okay. You are not alone. No, you have fellow travelers. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, life gets lifey. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, but to have a happy, well-adjusted four-year-old. Yeah. A happy, well-adjusted sixteen-year-old who chose to move in with you. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got to feel some sense of pride. Oh, for sure. It's like I've achieved. I can't wait to see what God has in store because I've already achieved the main goals that I had. This is where so people like, say, you know, if I, had, if I had to write a list of the things I wanted, I would have cut myself short. You yeah. Know, that, yeah. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, like, what, like, are you, are you happy now? Are you like, like yeah? Are you at? I guess, are you peaceful? Yeah. 
would be Good the question. question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are times that, you know, I get stressed out and then I have to re- be reminded, hey, this is a step three issue. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to give it back to God. Right. And um, just the the more that God shows up, the the easier it gets. Right. You know, I mean, and he always uh-huh. shows up. You build that trust and faith in him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but I have to be reminded. My, my initial response, and I hope that it changes throughout the years in recovery, is to freak out. My initial response is, my God, what am I going to do? Right. And then I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We've gone through this before. Right. I don't have to and do we anything. Didn't, right. We didn't drink and use. Yeah. We sat exactly where our feet were, and yeah. everything worked out. Yeah, every time. So let's do that again now. Yeah. I get it. So what are the practices that you have in your recovery life that have ended up being of a benefit to you? Going to meetings, having a sponsor. We talked about prayer. Being a sponsor. Is, Working with is others. A big one. Yeah. Okay, tell us a little and bit about that. And you know, they told me in the beginning, that's a surefire way to stay clean. And so that's, you know. Nothing so much yeah. ensures, what is it? Nothing so much ensures sobriety as work with another alcoholic. Yeah. So they'll come to you and they're like, gosh, I've got this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem. And you're like, damn, I don't want none of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You keep that. Yeah, for sure. Is that, do you, do you glean gratitude out of that? Or is it just a focusing on, you know, the, the altruistic component of help, you know, not only considering your own problems. Yeah, it takes you out of yourself for sure and makes you realize, you know, you need to be more grateful most of the time. Um, And also, I find it rewarding when a sponsee comes to me about something that I've gone through in recovery. And I'm like, wow, there's the reason for that. Those experiences now become I profitable. Tell this person, yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about our past becoming profitable to us because we can now yes. use them to help others. Yeah. That's what it's all about in my eyes. Everything boils down. How many that. people do you sponsor? Okay, right now I have one sponsee. Okay, but uh, I will, I will do two. Well, um, let's see. I would do up to, they say like one per year, huh? I don't know. I would do up to four, but they can't all be going through the steps at the same time. You know, I'll be, I'll do two going through the steps at one time if these two have already made it. You have two freshmen and two seniors. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You don't, I can't take four people through the steps at one time because during that time, there's a lot of, uh, you know, communication and, you know, it learning would be and like, growth on there, you know, yeah. yeah, on both sides. And then you always end up with one sponsee that calls for like one hour a day every day. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I just tell my sponsees, call me when you need to talk, or sometimes just depending on the person, we need to talk twice a week, or we need to talk once a week, or you know, just depending on the situation or whatever. But you know. You've always got that one that talks for an hour every day. 
Yeah, which is fine. It helps you keep so. Yeah, you know, helps you. Which is fine, but it's a lot. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. That Bluetooth earbud. That's where getting tapped things. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were fixing something. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what now that you've seen some pretty significant goals? Yeah. Come through and you know, reach fruition. What do you have looking forward? This is one of the main things I wanted the podcast to be yeah. for. It was like people come on and they say, look, I'm going to work on this, 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 and this. And then we check back with them a year or two later and they, look, I, I pulled that off and I did that yeah. and I own that shit. I did that. Okay. So I'm in a two-year program for criminal justice at Heinz. Wow. I would like to work for drug court. That That's my goal. And um, my studies have fallen in the last nine months ever since Isabella and getting the house and, you know, changing jobs. It's, it's so hopefully I'll be able to pick that up and finish this two year program in the next four years. I mean, you know, good for you. Going back to school is a big thing because I'm only doing part-time. I can't, there's no way I could go. Well, I appreciate your, you're having a realistic view of what your limitations are given that you have, so much job, yeah. a home, yeah. two kids. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot. So not, I think sometimes we get so amped up and geared up in doing that we take on too much, and then we we basically buy all of the ingredients for a recipe for disaster, and then we just fuel the cycle of I'm no good, I can't do it, blah blah blah. When really we just took too big of a bite out of the sandwich, you know. Yeah, yeah, we just need to take a step back. For a exactly. Second. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have the goal of owning a minivan. I've wanted I didn't a minivan. care to elaborate. Yeah, I've wanted a minivan since I was a small girl. A minivan? Yeah. So that's my that's my next. I mean, there's nothing more like for road trips and stuff like that. Like there's yeah. nothing better. You just open that door. They hop Look, right I've in. always thought that if Especially I were going to be like a an interstate drug smuggler, <laughs> it would be in a minivan, in a minivan. with yeah. car seats in it. Yeah, because you you basically become the wallpaper. Yeah. I mean, who notices a Honda Odyssey, uh, Odyssey, <laughs> yeah. or Toy? Well, that was a really creepy Toyota Sienna. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Dodge Grand Caravan. I mean. I think it's the yeah. those things are insane. Look, minivans awesome. really are. They're great. I tried to convince Kimberly to get one, and she was like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> well, I know, you know everybody. Like, you know, the doors open. Yes, dude. Uh, the the Hondas have uh, storage compartments under the floor. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, you don't have to break something. your back putting a kid in a child seat. Uh uh-uh. uh They're incredible. I want a minivan. No, you don't want a minivan. Yeah. We're gonna, if you get a minivan, we're gonna put. Uh, Fire bracing stripes down the side of it. Like oh the A-team. God. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't think I expect you to say one of your goals was a minivan. But I good. know, yeah. Yeah, that is, that can't come uh, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. You need to get Every- some kind of horn that honks like this in it. <laughs> Sebastian would love that. Wouldn't he? Yeah. I would. <laughs> yeah. All my friends are like, are you kidding me? A minivan? I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing I mean... It. You you think they they sell like crazy minivans sell like crazy, yeah. People love them, people love them. They do. I need a minivan. I mean, I've got a thousand children. 
You do have a thousand <laughs> children, all of which if we go somewhere, more than once. Look, it, it's a goal of mine to have a vehicle large enough to carry my entire family in it. You may need a passenger van. Dude, I had I had a, a customer that they have eight eight children. Eight children. Get off her, bro. Eight, <laughs> eight children. Eight children, man. Eight. Yes. Yes. Do they have a passenger van? They have like one of those like yeah. the People big movers. passport. Yeah. Like the yeah. yeah, yeah. Like and they're like they're the fifteen seater. Yeah, they've they've had I think five and then they adopted um three i think okay um and then one of my podcast clients they how have do you afford five. the food for eight kids i, I think uh, welfare like, surely <laughs> maybe i mean i mean you, how, you got the husband has a really really fine job a really fine job he must has he a has really to. fine job yeah 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 God. same with an, like, one of my other clients they they um they have you know a few businesses and they have five five kids and then they have a adopted girl from uh ukraine um and you know have a beautiful house and you, you just you, you have a job that that supports that because that's a lot of money man it's a lot it's a lot of money way more than you think yeah like I, I i would just i think i just get a block of cheese and cut it into nine pieces and just hand it to them and just call it a day dude i think i would be an awful awful you'll eat at school <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. No, God's a guy. I, I'm not designed to, to have any more than one child, I think. I'm good with one. I don't know how you guys do it. Even with two. Yeah. It's tough. It's a lot, man. I mean, just... just. Can you imagine taking eight kids to the state fair? No. That'd be $1,000. I'm not lying. Yes. Like, it'd it be a 1000 bucks. It's. I mean, it's like one fifty. For bash, just bash. Yeah, it's crazy to do all the things. The food. Yeah. I mean, you got to be making that's three quarters of a million dollars a year. That's <laughs> just that's that's uh, coke exactly. selling money. Yeah, it is coke yeah. selling money. That guy's a drug dealer. Yeah, I bet he's got a minivan. He does. He he does have a minivan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Compartments. Dude, my, my, uh, my uh, weed dealer drove a, a minivan around and had like serviced like, I mean, it's he loved it. Like, he looked like fade into the background. Not a single, not a single time did he get pulled Keep over. Keep your hair cut. Yeah, yeah. Only transport the drugs during uh, like five o'clock traffic. Right. He's getting pulled over at five o'clock. Nobody wear sweaters like Drew. Wear sweaters. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm serious. Who's pulling you over in a Honda Accord with car seats in it? That's a good point. With a good haircut. With a, yeah. And a sweater. Yeah. And yeah. a sweater. Yeah. You, you, that's a fine sweater. And no tinted windows. No, no, you can't have tinted windows. No. Uh-uh. No, he, On like, a van? Definitely not. Well, well, you could have the back tinted, but just not the front. Yeah, you can have those back. Maybe a little. Yeah. So how do you, like, how do you, how do you find time for recovery? Like, how do you, do you, Ooh, do you, that's a good question. Like, how do, how you, do you squeeze it in there? Right, right. So do you, do you hire a babysitter? Do you have the 16 well, year old take care of the yeah. four year old? Yeah. She watches him on Monday nights and I go to meetings and then every now and then I get to take off work cause I work Tuesday through Saturday nights. Okay. So, um, sometimes I'll take off work for, you know, different speaker meetings or something like that and get, an extra meeting in, but right now 
it's Monday nights for meetings. Um, and Sundays for podcasts. It. Sundays yeah. for podcasts. Well, I tell you, have you ever done like um, Zoom meetings? I did not. You did not even in COVID. No. Really? I'm so intimidated by Zoom meetings. Really? Yes. You should give it a shot. I go to one every morning at 7.30 a.m. Really? They're really pretty good. Yeah, every morning. Like I sit Dallas. at my desk uh, a few mornings every week and log on. And, I mean, I, I have it playing. And yeah, and you can turn your camera off, and you can just put just listening down at the bottom so, like, nobody's going to call on you. You can turn your camera off, and it's just, like, you get a meeting, and you check the box. Okay. You know, I need I need a lot of meetings in my life, and I can't yeah. make it to a lot of in-person meetings. So that's 7.30 a.m. every morning. Okay. They're every not morning. as good as in person, but well, it's good. Yeah. It's it's better than not getting to a meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll shoot you the link to to mine. You okay, should, sure. You should jump on. It's, it's a, There's usually 40 to 50 people on every morning. My God. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Yeah, it's in Dallas, the, the meeting I first got sober at, the Preston Group. Okay. So take walk us through a day in the life. Okay, day in the life. Um. Hopefully six thirty up, unless I snooze. You know. Are you a snoozer? I'm a snoozer. How sometimes. many? How many? How many snoozes? Two snoozes. Two snoozes. Never more. Never less. Sometimes less. Sometimes not, less. Usually not. Never more, more no, than there's two. There's no though. way to go. Okay. Less. And are you set the snoozes to eight minutes or ten minutes? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ooh. Ten minute snoozes. Yeah. You are a savage. And I get up. I go get my coffee. I have about 15 to 20 minutes uh, for meditation at my kitchen table. What does that look like? Just being peaceful, just recentering? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I usually think about my day, you know, what I've got to do. That's when I pray, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, sometimes mornings you wake up at the last minute and there's not time for that. Sure. And that's not a good day. I have to, you know, at some point make up for that. Yeah. Later in the day, but usually, it's um yeah it's every morning around a seven ish, okay six thirty to seven um and just think about the day, talk to God, you know help help my attitude, you know I can get I can get a bad attitude, um stuff like that, you know get Sebastian to school, um car rider bus rider. Uh, he's in daycare. So, okay, okay, yeah, oh, that's I just right. Take that's him. right. He, we call it school. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Up until uh, just like a week and a half ago, Isabella was a car rider at her school, but I've just made her ride the bus because it's like one less thing on my plate, right? You know that I have to worry about. So she's on the bus now. Um, I here recently I've been door dashing. Okay. So I'll go door dash for a while. Pick Sebastian up, then Bella gets off the bus, and then I head to work. Except for Mondays, Sundays and Mondays I'm off. So, okay. so do you take, do you door dash on Sundays and Mondays, or you just you take that time Sometimes, for yourself? Sometimes because yeah. Sunday is actually a good day for that. So sometimes I do, but a lot of times Sundays are you know just day off. Like sure. tomorrow Monday, I have a house to clean. I clean houses sometimes too. Um. So I'll be doing that after I drop back. Oh, no. Bash doesn't have school tomorrow. His lady's having a surgery. but So he'll have to go with me. But yeah. All right. So what happens after after that morning? So 
take take the young one to daycare, then what do you do after that? Do you take time for yourself or do you just like do door dashing and then kind of just kick it or like what does it look like? Like door dashing, pick Sebastian up, come home, take a shower, get ready for work, go to work. Okay. Yeah. What time do you get home? Um, sometimes I door dash after work and I'll get home like last night it was like one AM. But if I'm not door dashing, which, you know, I'm doing it mainly for holiday season. Sure. Um, I'll get home around eleven, ten thirty, eleven. We close at nine, so and then there's side work that takes too long. Hour. Yeah, way too long. So yeah. And that's it. There's something there's something satisfying and, and good about a schedule though. Yeah. Routine is a friend of those in recovery. Yeah, I think it's super important for the kids too. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Without a doubt. They need to have things they rely on. Yeah. Yeah. Structure is incredibly important. Structure is important. Very important. And yeah. I found it to be important in my recovery life because when inevitab- inevitably something disrupts it, you've got something you can count on. Absolutely. And when there's turmoil, okay, I can do the things that I've been doing and this formula will yeah. yield success. Right. You can fall back into that routine. You know, fall back into what's worked for you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, do you want to do your questions? I'm going to head over to my yeah, station. Yeah, we're there. What do you do poorly in your recovery? Poorly. I guess maybe not making enough meetings. Okay. Or, yeah. Because, well, my sponsor says meetings are not necessarily always for you. They're for the newcomer. Good point. And um, so, I yeah, it would be great if I could get at least one more meeting in a week, and I'm not doing that right now. Well, maybe once the holidays are up and you're not door dashing as much, you'll have it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. What do you do well in your recovery? I don't know. God does everything. I don't. I don't think. I. I don't think I do. I think if it were all on me, I wouldn't do that well. Well, you rely on a higher power. Yeah, he. That's, he takes care of everything. That's what you do well. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you trust your higher power to to lead you and and yeah. you know keep you out of trouble and make sure everything's you know going well. I kind of like that answer though. God does it for me. Yeah. I just kind of suit up and show up. Yep. Yeah. Do the next right thing. I do the things and it. I mean, I know that's happens. important. That That's a good attitude to have, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't take away from, well, I didn't screw anything up. I could have gone out there and done some of that uh, social IV drug use. And, yeah. <laughs> and I chose not to. Right. Well, look, thank you for coming back. Yes. Thank You're you. Welcome. Really. I, we appreciate it. Maybe we'll uh, not wait a, a little over a year to have you back, and you can report to us on how things are going with school and yeah. how close you are to taking over all of drug court. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Drug court boss. I love boss. it. I love it. Thank you so much right. for coming. It was great to meet you. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. We'll see you. Uh, We're off for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we'll see you the following week, I think. I believe so. Tune all right. in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you We're so out. much.